This is a podcast by The Straits Times. It's the 27th of January. Nature is in pretty bad shape. Deforestation, pollution, climate change and mining are all taking a toll. About a million species are at risk of extinction. Many within decades, the United Nations Biodiversity Science Panel has said. But there is hope. In December 2022, nearly 200 nations adopted a series of targets to halt the loss of nature by the end of this decade. At the UN's COP15 Biodiversity Conference in Canada, the nations agreed to 23 targets, the main one being conserving and managing at least 30% of the world's land and marine areas by 2030, or 30 by 30, as it is known. Achieving this global target is vital, but it's also a huge challenge. Can it be done? With us today is Dr. Zheng Yiwen from the Center of Nature-Based Climate Solutions at the National University of Singapore. Dr. Zheng and his colleagues have looked at what's needed to achieve the 30 by 30 goal and the funding needed. Welcome to the show, Yiwen. Nice to be here. So just how bad are things in the natural world? And why was COP15 so important? Well, I think there are many signs that things aren't going great in the natural world. While there are studies that say that global populations of mammals, birds, fish, and amphibians, and reptiles, for example, have decreased by 68% in the last 40 years or so. Um, at the same time, there are studies that say that about a million species are threatened with extinction. And some studies also say that you know a third of the global land area has been altered in the last six decades or so. So the natural world is threatened by land use change, overexploitation, climate change, pollution, and invasive species, just to name a few. There are all these reasons why we should be concerned about the state of the natural world. And our main global policy mechanism to fight these threats and to conserve biodiversity is a Convention on Biological Diversity. This is supposed to you know, occur in 2020 um, and guide global policy towards 2030 to prevent and halt biodiversity loss. Uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, this meeting was postponed several times until its conclusion in December last year. So with COP15 funding done, we now have international agreements that countries all around the world have signed and committed to. And these agreements are aimed at halting biodiversity loss. And one of the one that you might hear most often is the 30 by 30 goal in which most countries have committed to protecting 30% of land and oceans by 2030. Yes, so tell us more about the 30 by 30 global target. How far are we from achieving it? And why is the target so vital if we're going to halt the decline in nature? Well, essentially, the 30 by 30 goal is a commitment by a large number of countries all around the world to protect at least 30% of the global lands and seas by the year 2030. Setting aside these protected areas are a good way to, number one, stop land use change activities such as deforestation, protect the habitats of species that live within these areas, and maintain the ecosystem services such as carbon storage that these areas provide. Protected areas are currently, you know, they currently cover roughly 17% of the world's land area and about 8 to 10% of the world marine areas. Um, this 17% meets the 2020 target to, for protected area coverage. 
But we still have a long way to go in achieving the target for both land and seas for the year 2030. But we're talking about a huge additional area of the planet that needs to be conserved and protected. I think you're a lead author of a study that calculated it was roughly 2.7 billion hectares, if that's correct. Yeah, so we're talking about a large um, amount of area that needs to be conserved and protected to meet this 2030 goal. And actually, these are areas that coincide with places that people as well as different animals and plants live in. So deciding where should be protected in order to balance the needs of both humans and biodiversity is really important in the process of increasing the coverage towards the year 2030. Now, a key part of 30 by 30 is the quality rather than the quantity of the land and marine areas that need to be conserved. This was a key focus of your study. So tell us more about this. So this is a good point to raise. Ultimately, the 30 by 30 goal is very much a number-based target. And it does not really dictate which areas to conserve or how to maximize the number of species that is to be saved or how much carbon should be stored, for example. And I think this makes a lot of sense in a way. There are so many underground considerations such as land tenure or social economic conditions or forest quality, for example, that needs to be taken into account. So this affects the longevity, the usefulness, and especially the equity of protected areas. And this needs to be considered carefully. So in the paper, we explore some of the most extreme cases where protected areas are set up in places, for example, with the lowest human impact or in places with the highest amount of biodiversity. And illustrated some of these trade-offs and considerations. So for instance, if governments choose to protect areas with very few people, these might be areas with a lot of rocks and a lot of ice, for example. This means that protecting these areas are unlikely to have a lot of impact on people. Uh, but it also has very limited impact on biodiversity conservation as well. So these can be in places such as Siberia or maybe in northern Canada, for example. By the end of the day, when it comes down to setting aside which areas within a country should be protected, I think governments should consider these trade-offs. And so this means that as a global target, there needs to be leeway to allow governments to adjust accordingly. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Now, there are also additional benefits of protecting biodiversity, you know, the the richness of of nature uh, on the planet. So could you give us some examples of this? Yeah, so when you talk about conserving nature, the main benefit, right, is protecting biodiversity, as you mentioned. This can include different species of plants and animals, but at the same time, protecting areas can maintain ecosystem services that natural landscapes can provide. One good example is forests that can store and accumulate carbon in their roots, trunks, or leaves, for example. In doing so, the trees in the forest can help mitigate climate change by reducing the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. There are other important ecosystem services, such as regulating water quality, coastal protection, supporting fisheries, for example. And these ecosystem services provide a lot of benefits to people that live in and around these natural areas. Now, it all comes down to money, of course. And so tell us more about what COP15 decided on financing to help save nature. And there was also a separate study led by your colleague, Dr. Rachikonda Surika, that looked at the carbon market funding for nature-based climate solutions to help some nations achieve 30 by 30, for example. So this is a really good point, too. Obviously, there is a need to ensure funding for biodiversity conservation. Among the many targets for 2030 discussed in COP15, there are some that focus on how to finance conservation. 
One is to phase out subsidies that harm biodiversity, for example. Another is to mobilize at least between 200 billion in biodiversity-related funding. This can include domestic and international funding from both private and public sectors. At the same time, there's a need to focus on developed countries um, to support developing countries and especially the least developed countries by raising international financial flows. The study you're talking about found that carbon markets and in particular nature-based carbon projects could help meet some of this financial shortfall. Shrika found that 79 countries and territories can expand protected areas without capital deficit if they rely on carbon markets, and that another 30 countries can meet at least half of the financial costs associated with setting up more protected areas. So lastly, about 40 nations have already achieved 30 by 30. But for some nations, such as those that are highly urbanized or with small marine areas, so Singapore could be an example, 30 by 30 isn't possible. So what are some of the things that these countries can do instead? So for about 40 countries have protected 30% of their land areas or more. But 30 by 30 is effectively a global target. So if these nations you're talking about could technically continue to support um, the 30 by 30 target beyond their borders. At the same time, there are other targets discussed within COP15 that these countries could support. One good one is, for example, uh, related to food waste or financing conservation. So I think there are many other ways to support the agreements beyond the 30 by 30 as well. Well, there's only seven years or so to go, so there's an, an enormous amount uh, for countries to achieve. So. Thank you very much for joining us today, Ewan. Thank you. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O.